Welcome to the Hog Call Podcast. This is Chad. And this is Tim. We are uh, bringing you a brand new episode, episode number two of the podcast. So just to get a couple things out of the way real quick, uh, make sure you subscribe to the Hog Call Podcast on your favorite directory. It could be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, many more. We're on them all. Uh, soon we're going to be coming to Spotify also. Make sure you listen to the Hog Call Podcast live at com. The only real-time, uncut, uncensored, Razorback podcast by fans for fans. Friend us on Facebook at Hog Call Podcast or follow us on Twitter at Hog Call Podcast. Chad runs the Facebook page. The Tim runs the Twitter page. Support the Hog Call Podcast by helping us spread the word. Give the Hog Call a five-star rating and commit and comment on iTunes. Even if you just comment, go Hogs, it will go a long way in boosting our ranking so others will see us. If you would like to fund the Hog Call Podcast financially, visit our Patreon page, become an investor, and see our special incentives tier. Donations start as little as $1 and will go a long way in helping us improve our quality server storage space. We are counting on fan support as we grow together. Send us a message about the hogs at hogcallpodcast at gmail.com or call us on our call-in number, 812-850-0110. All this information can also be found in our show's notes. Well, goodness, Tim, now that we got that mess out of the way, how's it going? Yeah, good to get that out. Man, that dragged on, but that was really important. I'm glad we're, glad we're on all the platforms. And please, guys, interact with us uh, and help us grow together. And uh, let's make this fun and all about the hogs. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the big thing is, you know, you hate to have to do that, but at the same time, Anything we could get, any any little bit of support we could get is going to be helpful. Like I said, even if it's just that five-star rating and just a comment that says Woo Pig on iTunes, that's going to go a long way. So we just really appreciate everybody's support. And the one thing I'd like to say is I'm super surprised by how fast this podcast is taking off. I mean, we had uh, over a 1,000 likes on uh, on some of our stuff. So it's, it's really it's really been amazing. Uh, to see us take off the way we have and see everybody's support and all the fan support. We just appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to the podcast. So let's get into it. What do you all think? Right. Uh, what do you think about them hogs? Well, week one got a win. Uh, Chad Morris is one and zero in his, uh, regime here, uh, 55 to 20. Uh, not bad if you really look at it. I mean, you obviously, well, I think we split the uh, foot off the pedal. Could have scored more than 55, and they got a, didn't want any of you know 20 points on the board. But it could have been a lot worse. The positives and the negatives coming out of the game. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There definitely were. And I know last week I uh, was really high on uh, you know Cole Kelly, and uh, he didn't perform like I thought he would. And honestly, uh, Ty's story came out and surprised me, but that's okay. If it's going to be Ty Story that's leading the team, that's fine with me. I just want somebody that's going to lead the team to a successful year. And uh, the way Ty Story played was amazing. With 20 plays, he threw for 276 yards 
with a uh, passing rating of 70%, which is really good. Uh, Cole Kelly had 16 plays, so he really wasn't uh, as far off as him, and three for 96 yards. So you can see the major difference there in the comfortability of the quarterback play. Yeah, uh, last week we were talking about because uh, as uh, median fans, we have no, we didn't get to see any of the scrimmages or practices, so we were, we just had to take uh, the coaching staff on their word that Cole Kelly deserved the starting spot. And uh, offense kind of sputtered out of the gate, looked a little slow. Story came in, gave a spark, and uh, as you read off the stats, I mean, I'd love to I'd take that every game. <laughs> Great <laughs> stats. Uh, I heard his passing efficiency. I know it's one game against Eastern Illinois, but he's second in the nation. So let's, let's keep it going, Ty. Hey, go Hogs. That's what I say. You know, um, I, I think that the biggest thing is just that whoever comes in and starting quarterback is able to do that consistently. You know, if it, if, if Ty's able to come in and do it consistently, that's fine. Um, I think the worst-case scenario is if Ty has a bad game and Cole comes in and has a good game this next game. Um, and it's not that I don't want Cole to, to take that starting job or be the starter. I, I would like to see – you know, I would like to see whoever's the best man win the position. But at the same time, we've got to have consistency. I think a lot of times as fans, you know, we, we forget that these are people. You know, we don't know what happened with Cole Kelly before the game. We don't know what happened the week leading up to the game. We don't know what was in his head. You know, it could be anything from a fight with his girlfriend to just, just having a bad, you know, not being able to sleep the night before and uh, being a little tired and lethargic, you know. So we don't know exactly what's going on there. And uh, the next game is really going to tell us, you know, who the starting quarterback is going to be, I believe. But right now, Ty Story's definitely got my vote. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's just been one game. So Ty Story could – they could start to out of the gate. Uh, and then Cole Kelly comes in. It's the opposite of the Eastern Illinois game. Uh, what everybody wants is fans, opposite of the coaches and players. We want to win, so whatever it takes, that means one game. I mean, you want consistency, obviously. So, I mean, it'd be great if the same quarterback was it, but just want to win. Whatever uh, leads us to win the games, um, it's encouraging. Maybe that, especially Cole, I thought it was encouraging that he came in in fourth quarter, had a successful drive, uh, looked better, looked a little bit more urgency than his first uh, quarter effort. Absolutely. And, you know, the big thing that I noticed as watching the game, just from a coaching perspective, is he wasn't on uh, – his timing wasn't on par with the receivers. So whenever Cole was taking his drops, his drops were slow, his, re- his receivers were faster. By the time his back foot hit, he was late with his throws. And then he held up a little bit, which, which made it even worse. Uh and he didn't, he didn't pull the trigger quickly. And that's one of the big things as a quarterback's coach, you're always trying to teach your quarterback to drop that back foot, make your throw, or hitch up into the pocket. You know, you got to make that decision on what you're going to do, and you got to, you got to do it quickly, and you got to do it in timing with the receiver's routes. And that's really hard to get down. But that was the big difference is that um, Ty Story was able to time his receivers perfectly. So whether it was a long pass or a short pass, all of his passes were efficient and effective because of his timing with his receivers. 
and it really showed. So that, that's the big thing Cole's got to work on to, to improve his passing game, is to get his timing down with his receivers. Yeah, I think the big the big play in the first quarter that stood out was uh, that kind of little comeback. I think uh, maybe Petway, somewhere on the outside, just real late, just if he was three or four, he uh, would have been about a 15-yard gain. Uh, the Eastern Illinois cornerback broke on it and broke it up. Uh, an LSU or Alabama cornerback probably would have intercepted the ball. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you can see Ty Story was much more um, comfortable with his progressions. When he dropped at the end of his drop, he was either hitching up into the pocket or he was getting out of the uh, pocket if it was collapsing. And he was he was just his progression was much better than uh, Cole Kelly's progression. So, you know, we'll see. Like I said, it can always change. And that's one of the things that Moore said is that this next game, he's going to play both guys. He's going to do it essentially the same way he did this game. And he's going to see who comes out on top by giving them both a shot to win the uh, win the position. So I think that's fair, and I'm looking forward to it. But, uh, yeah, man, high story looks good. That's all i got to say. He just looks so good. Yeah, it was really encouraging. I mean, we have no we had no idea uh, what to expect the first game, but, I mean, I, mean I, I was impressed. A lot of people may have been like, man, we should have, you know, it is Eastern Illinois, but uh, the last couple coaches that opened their uh, careers up against the FCS opponents, uh, barely won, so I will take a 35-point shellacking of Eastern Illinois this week. And looking Absolutely. forward to this game against Colorado State. Absolutely, and I think that, you know, what people have to realize is that we played this game like a powerhouse team would play a game. We went in there like a, you know, LSU or an Alabama, and we hung up points. We took our foot off the gas, so not to embarrass them in the second half. We put in backups in the second half, gave everybody a, a little bit of, of work, and uh, it was a fun game for the fans and for the players and included all the way around. And I think it's important to note that because there are a lot of people out there, a lot of pundits, other podcasts even, that said it was going to be close, we was going to have a hard time getting by them. You know, we needed to, we needed to watch uh, – our, our points because it wasn't going to be a blowout and we came on and said no we think it's going to be and I think I think that's important that we recognize that we are playing like a top tier team exactly um, yeah I thought I mean a lot of people were saying that we were going to kind of struggle out of the gate and uh, I thought I thought it went pretty well I mean there's a lot of things we can work on and Players and the coaches noted that already, and uh, honestly, I you know I was it fired me up. I was very especially when Ty Story going back to him. I know it's just one position thing, but uh, I I, I really like the five turnovers, uh, the, the Chavis defense forcing turnovers. I think the only turnover that was unforced, or not turnover, but the only fumble that was unforced, Eastern U hopped back on it. So the five turnovers that were forced, and we got a defensive touchdown. Um, good to see that pressure and that they put the. the Helmet on the ball to force it, uh, but the top story. I mean, we it was ten nothing, and they had a couple. You know, they had the first downs. We're driving off a little bit before the turnovers, and once story came in and led us and got us three or four touchdowns. I mean, at halftime, I was like, all right, I'm I'm fired up, you know. Yeah, no, I was super excited. I was like, let's let's do this, you know, let's just run it up. And the nice thing that I saw coaching wise was at that halftime mark when. Other coaches that we've had in the past 
would have taken a knee and went in the locker room to talk about it, we took a timeout and we went ahead and scored one more time. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we're doing that to embarrass the other team, but that we were doing that to practice and to get better and so that when we have to take a timeout against a, a larger team, we're able to do that and run that same play. And we have that practice in a live situation. And I think that's very important, and I think that harkens to a good coach. And I'm very impressed with Coach Morris's play calling, although I don't care for the option. We've already talked about this in, in the first podcast. It's not my favorite type of, of uh, offense. The RPO, I feel, is a little slow for the SEC. But I think what's important to note is that uh, his play calling was smart. He called the right plays at the right time. There wasn't anything where I I was like, why did he do that? And with our previous coach, and I don't want to harp on him, but with our previous coach, that was one of the things I complained about a lot was, why did he call that timeout? Why did he call that play right there? This doesn't make sense. But what Morris did made sense. I think that's really important. So let's move forward to the wide receivers now that we've, you know, Beat the uh, quarterback position. <laughs> yes, please. Let's do it. So, Michael Patway, uh, five targets for 93 yards. Jordan Jones, surprisingly, seven targets for 132 yards, our top receiver. Uh, Chase Harwell, five targets for 60 yards. Austin Cantrell had two targets for 53 yards. Uh, Don Stewart had one, t- uh, Dion Stewart had one target, uh, but didn't catch it. And then, uh, Jeremy Patton had three targets for uh, two yards. So you can see that Jordan Jones is coming out. I mean, he he's making a statement. Yeah, he was the guy that uh, not even not listed on the in the three uh, receiver positions on the depth chart. Morris had out for the first game, but it was a guy we mentioned in the first podcast that uh, need to watch out for him. He's speedy. Uh, he showed flashes of it last year when they throw it to him, uh, and that was I mean. That big play before the half, uh, I think maybe Story's first completion or the second one where he caught it down the middle and uh, turned up field for about an extra 30 yards. It's just, I mean, he's, he's got he's, – I mean, that, there's a reason that Alabama was visiting Smack – or Nick Saban was going down to Smack over Arkansas to, to try to get him away from coming up here. Oh, absolutely. And I think another thing is, like, he was catching balls that he had to work to make the catch, mm-hmm. which, you know, they may have been a little underthrown or overthrown. He had to make an adjustment to catch it. And a lot of people were like, well, you know, he's making the quarterback look good. The quarterback's not, you know, as good as you think they are because he had to make that adjustment so on and so forth. But in reality, you know, in a game when everything's moving quickly, your receiver has to be able to make an adjustment and catch the ball as long as it's within their vicinity. So that's why I like to say I like that hard-nosed play where he actually goes and gets the ball. He doesn't just wait for the ball to come to him. Yes. Uh, Jones is great. And Petway, I think, is going to be a, another one of his uh, go-to receivers all season long. He's a big target, uh, 6'2", probably about 215. He's got some speed on him, too. Um, and another guy didn't even, uh, as you're saying, Chase Harrell came down, and he had a great uh, went up and uh, grabbed one on uh, going down the sideline. Losing in the second half at one point was really impressive, uh, and that's good to see because he's the tallest receiver we have. I believe at about six three, six four, and it's going to be good to have somebody that can make some 
plays up in the air like that. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to need that whenever we get an SEC play. We're going to have to have somebody that can get the back corner of the end zone. You can toss the ball up to, and they can jump up and basically rebound it, snatch it out of there, and pull it back down. So it's a, it's a really important skill to have, and I like seeing that. So, yeah, so I'm really impressed. And I think the big thing we can take out of the wide receiver play and quarterback play together is, like I said, the timing was on with uh, Ty's story. It was off with Cole Kelly, and then they spread it around. It wasn't like, this is my favorite, I'm only throwing here. They spread the ball around, and that is good that they're comfortable with all their receivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was great, to, too, to look for the tight ends. Cantrell caught a couple. Uh, he went for Patton three times, uh, and Coach Moore said after the game, Patton didn't look himself. I know he's been battling some ankle injuries during fall camp. And also this week, though, they're going to get back C.J. O'Grady, who's uh, probably the most talented out of all of them at pass catching. And I look to hopefully to target the tight ends even more. And uh, see, They're developing some relationships on the field during the game and got some go-to guys just like, I, I can trust these guys. I mean, I don't, I'm not even sure we had a drop in that game. When, when your receivers are catching and working hard, not just sitting back there hoping the ball is going to come to and they're going to work toward it. You know, it's going to take take some effort. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree with you. I'm excited to see the tight end position blossom. I want to see it improve a little bit. I think that we were kind of limited at tight end and we didn't uh, play the tight ends a lot. But I think a lot of that, too, is by design because you don't want to show everything. You want to vary vanilla offense when you're playing a team like this that you should just go out there and beat you want a vanilla offense you don't want to show all your cards so uh, i think that's part of it also yeah i do too i i mean that's that's why i think even the score margin everything i think it was great i mean we won by 35 we obviously didn't show everything we're going to go to uh probably didn't run as fast as hopefully we will and kind of at that point uh kind of a where you're talking about positive that uh, we should just be able to uh, get over the team like this. No, no, it kind of brings me to a, a negative. We can run, uh, go to the run offense, which not yeah. look as good as good as we had hoped. Yeah, well, with the run offense, I see we have uh, Davion Whaley with ten rushes for twenty-eight yards. We had Chase Hayden with uh, four rushes, for three yards. Uh, Rakeem Boyd had six rushes for 12 yards. Malik Williams, three rushes for 17 yards. And then T.J. Hammonds with three rushes for 14 yards. So we spread it around a lot with the running backs, but at the same time, um, nobody was making anything happen. And I think that we were trying to see who's going to make something happen, who's going to stand out here, who's going to break off that, that big run. Uh, watching the offensive line, I noticed they were coming off the ball high and, uh, they were catching the defensive players. And you can't come off and catch. You gotta come off and punch and push them and, uh, push them back. So, and I, I didn't think that we were out, um, I didn't think we were out muscle, but I think we were out technique by the defense. I think our technique was off. And the good thing about that is, that we can improve on technique within a week. So we can come out this week and have an improved technique. Whereas if you're out muscled, you can't improve on that. That's just something that you're going to have to work on in the off season and wait. So I, I'm, I'm happy that I saw technique flaws 
that can be corrected that should improve our running game. And I do expect us to have a much improved running game next week. Yeah, that's great that it can be corrected. Um, I think the offensive line, as you said, the pad level wasn't right. The effort, the reports this week were that they were hitting the, the, the sleds a little harder. Um, they kind of know. I mean, the fire party lit under their butt. As uh, much of the offensive line, their fault, running back, didn't seem to hit what little hole they had as hard as they could. Uh, a lot of times, uh, going back and watching the game, a lot of times there was something on the outside and uh, they were inside, something on the inside should have gone outside. Um, it's I think a lot of things, I think we're going to look a lot better this weekend. I, I think that may be, even if we play tougher defenses, I think that's still going to be maybe the worst or definitely one of the worst performances. I think we'll get better on with the run game. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, if we look at the team as a whole and we look at the game as a whole, you know, we had 18 first downs. Um, our third down efficiency was uh, 7 to 15. Um, we had uh, 353 uh, passing yards. We had 80 rushing yards. We had four penalties for 40 yards, and our time of possession was 29 minutes and 10 seconds, which I didn't expect our time of possession to be um, to, to out, you know, to have the ball more than the other team because we were no. supposed to be running a fast-paced offense. However, I do got to say I don't believe that offense was as fast-paced as I would like to see. You know, whenever I went and watched Gus Malzahn and, and sat in on coaching clinics with Gus Malzahn, and he talked about running the hurry-up, no-huddle offense. And one of the big things that he talked about was the pace has to be to such an extent that as soon as the referee is placing the ball down and they're out of the way and the whistle blows, it's being snapped and the next play is being run. We did run a no-huddle offense. We didn't huddle the whole game, but the hurry-up part, was what seemed to be lacking to me. And I don't know if this is because they were hiding that and they didn't want to show how fast we can run the ball and they want to do that moving into SEC play and try to use that as something that takes a team off guard or if it was just that our quarterbacks were having trouble running it as fast as they wanted to run it or if we wasn't getting the calls called in so that um, it could be ran to the speed that, I would expect a hurry-up, no-huddle offense to be ran. Um, I would really like to see our offense be picked up a lot if we're going to run a fast offense. If we're not going to run a fast offense, let's huddle up, let's get the play right, and let's run the ball. Yeah, I totally agree. I I expect I, I don't expect us to win a lot of the time of possession battles, uh, especially if we have big plays like we did. Uh, like I said, we were no-huddle, but we definitely weren't fast. We are uh, the, the pre-snap quite a while, um, but I don't know if they're waiting. I'd like to see the next couple games. I don't hope they don't wait to the Texas or the Auburn game, the fourth game of the year, to break it out. Hopefully they'll at least work on an end game, Colorado State, uh, at the least North Texas right before the Auburn game. Yeah, absolutely. And with the defense, man, how about that? You know, I was really impressed with our defensive play. Um, I like how we were putting our hat on the on the ball whenever we were tackling, and that's one of the big things that, as a coach, you want to see. It's one of the big things that you you preach as a defensive coach is put your hat on the ball, knock that ball loose, and let us let us call some fumbles. And the thing about it was the fumbles were calls. They were not fumbles that 
happen because the receiver dropped the ball or the running back dropped the ball or whatnot, or they just didn't have, you know, the ball well. It was because the defensive player put his helmet on the ball and knocked the ball free or stripped the ball and stripped the ball free. Um, every one of those were from good coaching. And that's when you, that, that's how you know that you got a good defensive coach. You got somebody like the Chiefs. And then also, our pressure on the quarterback was good. And that's something we haven't seen in years at the University of Arkansas is a defense that has some heart and soul and is willing to put a little bit on the line to make something happen. Yeah, that was, that was great to see. I love the aggressiveness that, uh, turnovers, uh, making play or knowing where the ball falls out, uh, the bump of pull pick of the scoop that he wanted to score on, uh, when the ball Causing the, uh, soon as the second stream quarterback for, uh, Eastern Illinois came in, we stripped the ball from him uh, right before he got in the passing motion. Uh, Gidry falls right on it. Just, just seems like second in- instinct that they want, they want the ball. That, that it's been an emphasis that we're going to turn, turn the ball over, um, get the ball back to the offense and when we can for ourselves. Uh, real quickly, uh, want to be on defense, but, uh, I will say a positive on the offense line. Uh, the pass protection looked good to me. Um, but that was just for you reminding me as we were aggressive and putting pressure on them. I did, I didn't want to put that in the offensive line. I was happy with that part. Yeah, no, I'm great. I'm glad you brought that up too. Their kick steps looked very well, very well, uh, coached and they were, they really had a good, uh, a good pass protection. And I really liked how it unfolded. I think that our offensive line looked a little better than I thought they were going to look. But we just got to get off the ball lower, and we got to get pushed in our run game. Yeah. And that's just a matter of coaching. You know, it's just a matter of tweaking it, some tweaks here and there. You know, and uh, once they do that, they'll have them. They'll have them where they need to be. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm really. I hope we keep. I David said. I mean, it's an emphasis to get turnovers, and uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I don't think that was just one game, and those were forced turnovers. Uh, it wasn't just, it wasn't a rainy day and they were just dropping it all over the place. You know what I mean? With, uh, their yeah, no, turnovers. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. And the other thing that, you know, we talked about last week saying, you know, I thought that our, um, our long passing game was, or our pass protection is going to be much better, uh, than it has been, uh, as far as, our defense goes and, and being able to uh, have our safeties and linebackers shut down some of those deep passes. And they hit a couple deep passes on us by a, uh, a receiver who is a, a really good receiver. Um, he's not, he's not a, uh, he, he's not your average run of the mill uh, receiver. Oh yeah. I mean, he's expected to be all conference and, uh, in Eastern Illinois, uh, uh, league, so I mean, he's not, he's not, uh, you know, he's very well respected and a good athlete. And, uh, Morris also said about, uh, the cornerback that, that got, uh, Bernardo's so it was just some bad t- technique and it, it could get corrected. It wasn't just lack of, lack of speed or lack of quickness. It was just bad technique and, um, the film will help it and then this week of practice will help and, uh, I think it'll get better. But I mean, if those, they, they weren't, they, they looked like they were driving on us a little bit in the first half, but we started to shut them down. The quick passing plays, uh, screen game, they really didn't get too many. They didn't have a whole lot of big plays besides the long vertical wraps to that one receiver. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And you know that you know I would like to see it a little better. I'd like that it, it, any deep balls on us, but if we're gonna get taken advantage of, I would rather it be with a deep ball than it be somebody running the ball on us. Because the thing about that is, if they can, if if a team can just run the ball on you all they want to, they can eat up the clock and they can just take it down the field, punch it in, and win the game that way. When it comes to that big pass play and having to make us protect that big pass play and throwing that deep ball, there's always a chance of us getting an interception. There's always a chance of them throwing that ball a little too high, hanging in the air a little bit too long, throwing it off their back foot. There's always a chance for us to get an interception, and it's harder to convert the deep ball than it is anything else in football. So I like to see that that was one of our weaker points because, like you said, it's something to be corrected. It's something that we can deal with, but it's also not an easy conversion play, and I think that's important. Oh, yeah. I, I would take that a uh, couple big, long plays, especially when we're aggressive. Denise. I'd take that on defense. I'd take that any day over just running it down our throats, especially from Eastern Illinois, like it has been the past few years when the rushing touchdowns have just been. I mean, nothing more frustrating than, the team just getting eight yards, seven yards, ten yards at a time, running the ball right down the middle. And I think uh, we knew it was going to be a strength, and uh, it proved itself again uh, in the first game, the linebackers. I thought that was the strength of the defense. Uh, Drake Greenlaw had ten tackles in the first quarter, uh, two of them for losses. He did go out with an ankle injury uh, who knew, uh, after the first quarter, so we only got one quarter in, but I think he'll be all right. They, he's He's traveling with the team this week. Don't know if he'll play, but not a big injury. And uh, his backup bumper pool, true freshman, came in and gave some really good minutes, too. Absolutely. That's very important. You know, I think that uh, the, being able to trust your linebackers and have a linebacker that's able to come in there and make something special happen, and then you have somebody go out and another linebacker comes right back in and takes, right, takes up right where they left off, that is a really – good sign that we're not just good players on our first string, but we're good players all the way around. And the big thing about that is we haven't been uh, in the past few years. We haven't been good players all the way around. We've been, you know, if we had somebody go out, it was always like, oh, God, what are we going to do now? We don't have that person to back them up that's able to come in and take right over. So I really like seeing that we're able to have some adversity and come back with another player who's able to take right over and, and not give up, you know, a ton of uh, – make a ton of mistakes. Absolutely. And the, I thought the uh, tackling was very – the form tackling was uh, very good. Uh, wasn't a lot of leg tackling out there. That We wrapped them up and took them down. A lot of gang tackling, too. Um, very encouraging uh, from the defense. Um, and also, the only thing Chavis said, a couple things that were misalignments, and uh, like Chavis said, they can correct that. That's awesome. And then the other thing that I have, and I, I didn't mention it before, and it just popped in my head, was, you know, we were talking about our defense and not wanting to run game and just being ran down our throat. And I was thinking, you know, there was a positive to our run game, and that is that we were able to punch the ball in when we needed to when we got down to the end zone versus mm-hmm. – 
you know, past years where we would run the ball and couldn't get one yard. You know, <laughs> oh, God. I know our average was only like three yards, two yards, something like that. But we're we're getting positive yardage, and we're getting positive yardage when we need to, and that's important. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of uh, negative plays. There was just a lot of, uh, you know, just getting one or two yards. But I thought it was, like, great point. Uh, on third and ones, uh, or right down at the goal line, we punched it in, no problem. It wasn't, um, like, in the last couple of years where it would take us three plays, couldn't get anything, and would have to kick a field goal. We uh, punched it in. So I, I, I'd, I'd love, I'll take that all, I'll take that all year if we can uh, get in from a couple yards. When we need a yard or two, we get it. Absolutely, and that's important. You know, when you're when you're in those third and one situations, fourth and one situations, you can count on somebody just to go out there and and get it no matter what, and just to put their nose down and just to fight their way for that one yard. That's very important. So, I guess we should do our players every game. Um, I think um, I think we should both pick one. What do you think? Well, even though we only played one quarter, um, I'd like to give to the whole linebackers, but I think. Dre Greenlaw with those ten tackles and two for loss set the set the tone and helped uh, force the fumble set the tone in the first quarter for the defense. Absolutely, I think that's 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 awesome. I'm going to just pick the obvious and go with Ty Story because he gave us the life we needed to win that game. Without him and without his um, and without his uh, play, I, I don't know if we'd have won the game. I, I don't know. We, we were in such a rut. And he came in and took us right out of it. And I just think that his command of the offense was, you know, par for the course. It was something that was really good. And, um, you know, anyway, so I'm going to go with Ty's story for it. I All think. right. Well, that's not fair because I thought we were doing defense and offense. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with it. Let's be different. I'll, I'll still go with Greenlaw. Story is a great pick because I was just, I mean, not to, not to, Seriously, not to be a pun on the word, but that past story was the story of the game. Absolutely. And it's okay to make puns. I mean, that's what we're all about, right? We're out, we're out here to have fun. We're not, we're not trying great. to get too serious. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it is all fun. All fun and games on the hog call, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I'll I tell you what's going to be fun is this matchup with Colorado State because uh, they don't look to have a defense, at least not in the first two games they've played. Yeah, no, and one of the reasons I said, like, you can expect our um, running game to be much better is their run defense is horrible. It's one of the worst <laughs> in the nation. So if we don't have a running game against uh, Colorado State, it's, it's a real it's a real situation. It's a real problem. You know, you know um, and after doing my research on Colorado State, I, I found that uh, they have uh, the least experience of any college football team in the country in the 2018 season. They got eight starters returning from 2017. They got three on offense and five on defense. Uh, on defense, Colorado State has uh, only two full-time starter back, starters back in uh, senior linebacker Josh Watson, who was last year's leading tackler, and senior safety Jordan Fogel. Uh, the returning starters, that, the other returning starters that were named, uh, started seven games or more. So technically they're returning starters, but really they're not. They just played in seven games at some point. Um, so of the 13 games. And those are uh, junior cornerback Anthony Hawkins, defensive end A.J. Gene, and senior linebacker Max McDonald. 
Uh, half the coaching staff is new to Colorado State, which is which is important as well, including both coordinators, uh, David Johnson on the offense and uh, John Janik on the defense, and Mike Bobo, the head coach. Uh, even though he's gotten the Rams to seven and six each of his three seasons and, and made a bowl game, he has been in the hospital lately, and. Um, you know, I hate to say, you know, oh, somebody's sick or we're going to go in there and take advantage of that or this, that, and other. But, I mean, that has to have something to do with why um, they haven't been as successful. So, you know, I think that, you know, he's going to be coming in. He's going to be trying to make a point. He's going to be trying to make a statement. And, you know, I think with as young as their team is and everything, I just don't think we should have an issue with them. Um, they also have sophomore punter Ryan Stonehouse. Uh, coming back who was selected as first team all conference. Yeah, uh, Bobo wasn't able with the numbness in his foot, uh, had to, had to, had to go to the, I was hospitalized, uh, out most of team camp. He was in the press box the first game, was on the sidelines for their second game against Colorado, uh, uh, on a cane and he just fell for the guy and it's, it's obviously affected them. They, they weren't supposed to be, they, Hawaii is better than uh, projected. They won. I think they beat Navy, so they're not really that bad. Colorado is supposed to be solid in the Pac-12 this year. But uh, getting beat like they have, it's obviously affected. I mean, how could it not? Uh, and you feel for the guy. And I hope, hope that they're going to end up riding the ship uh, because they're a good program. Bobo's a good coach. Hopefully it's not this week against us. Hopefully they wait one more week to, uh, to turn it up to their coach uh, at Florida. Um, hopefully this week we can still, um, which I thought even before everything happened, we were going to take advantage of it. Hopefully we can take advantage of it and um, get out of there and have, get our stars out by the fourth quarter. Absolutely. i got to agree. I, I just hope Mike's okay. I hope everything's okay with him. I hate to see it whenever, uh, you know, coach or anybody is sick for that matter for any reason, and I just hope that, you know, he gets over whatever it is, whatever he's got going on. I hope he gets past it, and he's able to have a good year. And I hope he beats Florida. I think that would be good for their program. I think that SEC win would be good for this program. I think it would turn it around, but I don't think they're going to beat Arkansas. I don't think we're going to have issues with them. Oh, no. Um, I, I do think they might put up some points against us, but I'm, I'm thinking we'll get to this in my score prediction in a little bit. Um, but I don't think they're going to score – I still think we might uh, double over them in points. Uh, they have uh, the Hawaii quarterback in the first game. Uh, they played in week zero, which was the week before everybody else got started this past Saturday. The Hawaii mm-hmm. quarterback threw for 400 yards, but Colorado State's quarterback ended up throwing, I wrote down here, no 500 yards. I don't, maybe it was just real close to that. But he threw for a ton of yards in that first game. He did. I know he was uh, the, not as good against Colorado, a little stiffer competition but you know they got some offense um he's got two receivers that he mainly goes to um running game not as they have been looking over stats from the past couple seasons they're more balanced um this year not so much looks pretty one one sided uh with passing uh passing game taking most of the play calls um but uh go ahead check yeah no absolutely and you know uh Carter Samuels, that's the quarterback's name. He's 6'2", 225 pounds. He's a uh, graduate transfer from Washington. And uh, he's 
to year to date, he's had 25 rushing yards. He's had 713 passing yards with six touchdowns and two interceptions. And that is not bad. So he's not a bad quarterback. And they've played decent teams. So, you know, we're going to have our work cut out for us. We're going to have to get back there. We're going to have to disrupt the quarterback. And we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to put pressure on him. Um, then, you know, you have your running back, Izzy Matthews. Uh, Izzy Matthews, sorry. Uh, he is uh, on the 2018 Doak Walker Award watch list, and we've had some players on that watch list at Arkansas in the past few years. Uh, 14 yards receiving, he's got 93 yards rushing right now. So, you know, the quarterback and running back combination out of their backfield is a good combination. It's something that we're going to have to shut down. It's really going to test our defense and uh, our defense's run protection. Sure, yeah, okay, so the running game actually should be like in years past, supposed to be a little bit better. Um, it might be Hawaii's defense, Colorado's defense, we're trying to, you know, make, make it one-sided. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, we're going to have to watch out for um, um, for both. Uh, yeah. Or it's going to be a shootout. Absolutely, and then you got McElroy Marcus, who you don't hear much about, but he's got 89 rushing yards, so that, you know, they can oh, – wow. They're not, uh, they don't just have one running back. They can rotate in a couple different running backs. So it's something to, you know, be aware of. And then their fullback, um, Adam, uh, Prentice, he returns as the fullback. So he's got some, uh, experience and he's a good fullback, although he doesn't have any yards yet for the season. So they're not giving it to the fullback a lot. Okay. So I can look here at the wide receivers. We have, uh, three starters listed. We got, uh, Johnson. Who played the New Mexico Bowl? He has 239 receiving yards so far. We got Warren Jackson, who has 72 receiving yards so far this year, and uh, two TDs. Or he caught two TDs at Alabama. So that's somebody you gotta really pay attention to, Warren Jackson. (laughs) And then uh, Peterson Williams, who had 237 receiving yards, is a Tennessee transfer. So our receivers that we're going to be playing this game are SEC-quality receivers, and everybody knows Washington can throw the ball. So you're getting a, a transfer from Washington throwing SEC-quality receivers. That's scary. Yeah, yeah. And the only reason he transfers is because uh, they have Jake Browning, who's been a three-year starter, or it's maybe his fourth-year starting. Um, he was one of the, number, I think, number one quarterback or one of the top five quarterbacks coming out of high school. So, I mean, it wasn't that KJ Carter Sanders was bad at Washington. They've just had a, a really good, um, always been in the preseason, in postseason, housing watch and pack, all Pac-12. Um, so he he had an opportunity here, and he's he's ran with it. Um, Absolutely, and I think this is something to watch. Like if you want to know how good is Arkansas's pass protection. Uh, our defense pass uh, protection, like this is what you watch. This is how you see how good we we can go out and defend the pass. Uh, if you want to know what our pass defense looks like, this game should give us a good idea of what that looks like. So, you know, we're going to have to be really on our toes at this game. If we're not careful, we could mess around and uh, and lose this thing. Their tight end is uh, Cameron Butler. Uh, he's on the 2018 Mackey Award watch list. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Oh yeah! Wow, these were those are some pretty. Uh, we've had a Mackey Award winner and uh, DJ Williams and Hunter Henry, and like you said, the Doka Award uh, winner two-time Doka Award winner Darren McFadden. So those awards are pretty mm-hmm. prestigious, even to be on the watch list. And like you said, playing 
SEC teams like Alabama and Tennessee, they're not going to be scared of us coming, especially a home game. They're not mm-hmm. going to be scared of uh, Arkansas coming to town. And if you look at their line, they look a lot like us. they got a redshirt freshman over at left tackle. they got a senior over at left guard. Uh, they do got a senior at center in Colby Meeks, um, who uh, started at left guard last season. Um, and let's see, the left tackle was uh, Barry uh, Wesley. And then uh, the right guard is junior Jeffrey Taylor, who played in the New Mexico Bowl. So he's got some experience. And then they have uh, right tackle Ben Knox. But for the most part, their offensive line is inexperienced, and that is their weak point. All right. So it sounds like we might be able to get some pressure on them. <laughs> Coming from that, <laughs> kind of sounds like, so like I said, sounds like our line. So, hey. They're going to come after us on our own line. Uh, let's go after them, put pressures on Carter Samuels. Don't make it easy. Don't let them just sit back there and throw it all over the field to uh, Preston Williams and uh, the other wide receivers you mentioned. Absolutely. we got to, we got to put pressure on the quarterback. we got to come after him. I think that's very important. I think that's the key to the game is that we pin our ears back and we go after the quarterback. I think that is going to determine our disruption of their offense and the Chiefs are going to do it. I have faith in him. I'm impressed in what he's done so far, and uh, I really think that we're we're going to have a much improved uh, defense, and we're going to see that again. I mean, we've already seen a much improved defense, so we're going to see that again in this game. So when we move over to uh, their defense, you have their uh, left defensive end, who is sophomore uh, Manuel Jones. He's a returning leader in tackles for a loss. You got uh, the right defensive end, uh, junior Richard King. Uh, he's the returning sack leader for their team. Uh, you got uh, nose tackle, true freshman Devin Phillips. He's a four star recruit. You got defensive tackle, uh, sophomore Elson Hubbard, who has seven tackles so far. Uh, you got the uh, strong side linebacker, senior Trey Thomas. Middle linebacker, the senior Josh Washington, he's a top returning tackler with 109 tackles. He's already got 28 tackles on the year. Uh, you've got the weak uh, linebacker, uh, Max McDonald. And then you have the cornerbacks, J.V. Banks, who's a transfer from Rice, which is, you know, Rice isn't a bad program. And then uh, you've got another true freshman in Rashada J. And, uh so, you know, we're going to see. I think that, you know, looking at those stats, you have a couple people who are making all the tackles. So there should be a lot of people that we can take advantage of, a lot of mismatches for us uh, as far as the offense and defense goes. Sure. Um, as far as the defense goes, I know when I, uh, I watched, uh, got to watch at least part of the Rocky Mountain Showdown, uh, their Colorado State's game against Colorado this past Friday, and the announcer uh, was mentioning, I didn't catch exactly what, I should have looked it up more, that they had a beleaguered Ram defense that included suspensions, injuries, and lack of depth. Um, so it's mm. something we <laughs> so I found it. That's all I needed to know. I didn't have to do, uh, you know, further research. But, uh, you know, that sounded positive for us this weekend. Uh, when I was watching it, uh, Colorado's quarterback, Montez, he, he started the uh, first quarter out 11 for 11 passing. And uh, the first play, but the first play in the second quarter was an interception by CSU. But uh, and also a note I wrote down was Colorado watching that game. Colorado is getting huge holes running the ball. 
Absolutely. And then their safety, I forgot to mention their safeties. I don't know why, but Jordan Fogel, he has 12 tackles. And Jamal Hicks, who has 16 tackles. Um, and those are your two starters at safety. So, and you, I agree. You know, I watched the Hawaii game and I watched, uh, the second half of the, uh, the, the Colorado game. And I tell you what, you know, the, the big thing I saw was they were, um, making some things happen but they would fizzle out their drives would fizzle out they would get some good drives going and then it would fizzle out so if they can if they get things moving in the right direction you know they can actually drive the ball i I do feel like they can i think we're going to see a better team uh come out against us than we saw come out against the other teams because they don't have a bad team and their team is able to make some things happen. They just haven't been able to put it all together yet. They've just been a little bit shy of where they need to be to be successful. I totally agree. I'm, I've been worried that this is because they're going to play their best game of the year. Um, even though they haven't left the state of Colorado yet, they did play the last Friday's game um, in Mile High Stadium, Dem- the Denver Broncos Stadium. Mm-hmm. It just feels like, uh, and they've had an extra game than us, it feels like they're going to put together uh, – uh, a big effort against us. Uh, I don't. I still don't think. I still think we're going to beat them. By uh, it's not going to be coming down to the wire. But I expect a great effort from Colorado State. And the game's sold out, so it's going to be a great atmosphere. Um, they're going to be ready to show they're they're better than they've shown already. Well, if we look at the stats from the last two games, we can see um, against the University of Hawaii. Uh, their total yards is 653 yards. Their passing yards is 537 yards, and their rushing yards is 116 yards. So they look a lot like us. They're not running the ball well, and they're passing the ball well in that first game. Uh, they had 12 penalties for 122 yards. So if they commit a lot of penalties, you know that's going to be in our favor. That's going to help us a lot. Um, their first downs are 29 first downs that they converted. Uh, third downs they converted 10 of 16. And fourth downs converted one to one, and their time of possession was 25 minutes and 17 seconds. So, you know, they're not they're not bad numbers in that Hawaii game. They just got beat. A lot of those numbers came towards the end of the game, like whenever Hawaii started getting winded, and uh, I, I truly believe that's what happened. I think the altitude got a hold of them, and I think they were able to come back. Now, if we look at a, another team that's used to that. You know, um, altitude. You can see they only had when they played Colorado. They only had 284 yards total, 181 passing yards, 103 rushing yards. Uh, they had five penalties for 35 yards, so they did improve their penalties. Which, you know, we can probably expect them to not have a ton of penalties if they've already got that under control when we go into that game. They had 20 first downs. Uh, their third downs was. Uh, they had they converted seven of nineteen and fourth downs again they converted one of one with the time of possession of thirty three minutes and twenty seven seconds so even though they had more uh, they had the ball more they still lost the game and they wasn't able to pass the ball like they were against Hawaii so that's my thing is look for that passing game to be big in this look for them to come out slinging the ball and trying to beat us over the top and trying to take advantage of us in that passing game, especially after they've seen those deep balls on film that's been completed. Uh, I feel like their coaches are probably going to be like, this is going to be our best shot to beat Arkansas. We come out hot and heavy. We're throwing uh, all over the place, and we score a couple touchdowns quick. we got a good shot 
of beating us. And they do got a good shot of beating us if they do that. But hopefully our defense can can hold them and keep that from happening. Yeah, if I was Colorado State, uh, after watching that film, I would I would try to attack us by the deep ball. Absolutely. Um, uh, we really I I think we're going to need some turnovers. I would like to see if Colorado State's playing the ball a little bit, uh, moving the ball on us, moving the chains. We need some turnovers to get it back in our direction to stop, um, get our confidence back, and maybe you know, maybe if we get up big on Colorado on Colorado State, uh, they may is like here we go again. Um, even if they feel like they may come back in the fourth quarter, uh, we've got to have a big enough margin where it doesn't matter. Even if we do, you know, allow us. if they if they outscore us in the fourth quarter, uh, we got to make sure of the point uh, have a big enough lead where it doesn't matter. Yeah, absolutely, totally agree. And I think also, you know, that we got to be aware that on fourth downs they're willing to go for it, and they do convert on those fourth downs. So whenever it's a situation where they need a few yards. And it's fourth down. We got to be ready to to stop them, and hopefully we can you know keep them from converting on those fourth downs when we play them. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's going to be it's. I think it's going to be a game where we're going to score. We're going to. I think we're going to be two teams that are equally matched in the same areas. But I think we'll win the game because. We have a little bit better talent than they have. Their talent is just not as as good as ours. Even though they have some really good talent, we're going to be able to see some really good things, and we got a lot of similarities uh, going up against this team. Our talent is just going to be much better than their talent, in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, you ready for a score prediction? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Goodness All right. Gracious. Oh, no, that's fine. No, if you're not ready, okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. I was excited. I, I don't know why. Uh, I've got Arkansas 59, Colorado State 27. All right. All right. I'm going <laughs> to say Colorado State uh, 19, Arkansas 52. All right. I like it. Both got us in the 50s. I made the mistake last week of um, – Putting us uh, in the 40s, I believe, and I regretted that. I was like, ah, what did I not think? Have confidence in our offense. Score that many against Eastern Illinois. But. <laughs> the important thing is, if you put it together, we were both right. You know, you know, we got the spread right and we got the points right. So, you know, a lot closer than most everybody else. Boy, <laughs> after put it on we, paper, at least we didn't play. It was going to be a close game. It's all our fans. <laughs> <laughs> or people that's been in the media a while, but ah, uh, big uh, You know, or you know, people think they're fans. Anyway, um, <laughs> so goodness, do you have anything else that you want to uh, you want to bring up about the Hogs? Anything we missed? Anything you think of that? Well, I will say, uh, in regards to the game this weekend, I will be attending. I have my tickets. It looks like a beautiful stadium, and I look. Um, I look forward to giving a report from there. Uh, so, um, anything, guys, if anybody wants to reach out before then, um, interact with us. Any questions about that that aren't able to go to Fort Collins, ask some questions, interact. Uh, I'll try to, I'll try to, you know, smell the fresh air out there and, uh, get to it. Uh, we'll probably think of some more things to talk about too about this game because I'm excited. 
going to be amazing. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Um, but as both our predictions said, we both expect a big, big time win. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I think we're going to get a big time win. I think it's going to be a wonderful atmosphere. I'm really excited you're getting to go to this game. I can't wait to do our first uh, phone cast podcast that is done at the game and to give the fans some uh, insight and excitement that might be at home and wonder what it's like in Colorado and give you a little preview of to exactly what everybody else is seeing and what it's like in Colorado. It's, it's super exciting, and, and I'm, I'm glad we're going to be able to do that. I think what we'll do is we'll be putting the time that we're going to do this up on uh, Facebook and Twitter as we get closer to the game. Look for that Saturday morning. And then uh, when you see that, you can listen to it live if you would like to at uh, iPadio, or um, you can listen to the podcast uh, after it's done uh, later in the day. So uh, keep your ears open and uh, keep keep a watch on your Twitter feed and Facebook page for those uh, times of when we're going to have our uh, on-site recording from Tim. Super excited about that. Yeah, I can't wait. What a what a time to start it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you know, I just want to say this. I, I just appreciate everybody out there that's listening to the podcast. It's it's uh, it's just something that me and Tim already did. We already called each other. We already talked about these games. We already researched the games. We we already knew a lot about it, and we thought, you know what? Maybe other people would enjoy listening to a podcast that actually talks about the games. It's not full of you know comedic humor. And it's not from the media's perspective, where you're actually getting the fans' perspective about the game that's on topic. So we really appreciate you listening, and we hope we were able to provide that for you. So we always have a uh, off-the-wall subject that we talk about, and I think this week it has to be Colin and Nike. So what do you think? Burn your Nikes or pro Colin? Where are you at on this? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm definitely on the pro Colin side. I'm definitely not burning my Nikes. Um, anybody that does that, I don't know if um, um, even people in need want to share the same shoes as these people who are um, on that side. But I wish these guys would at least try to donate uh, donate these shoes rather than burn them. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't do any good. And um, if you kind of look up, oh man, what's it been like? All you get is uh, you know. Things from people that watch Sean Hannity, et cetera, and uh, uh. that's a great point. I think that's a great <laughs> point. Why aren't they donating their shoes? You know, why? Why be selfish about it? If you're going to get rid of your shoe, you can donate it and you can pledge to never buy Nikes again. If you're so upset about this, but you know, here's my thought process to this, and I'm going to get on the soapbox just for a minute, please. The thing is, is whenever. There were protests in Ferguson. Everybody said they were too violent. You can't protest that way. Whenever there were protests that stopped traffic, they said, oh, that's too inconvenient. You can't protest that way. We don't like that. Whenever somebody came out during the pregame of an NFL game and took a knee, following advice he had received from a military soldier, so obviously he's not trying to disrespect military soldiers, or he wouldn't even went to them for advice of how he could do this respectfully before he did it. It's not bothering you. It's not stopping traffic. It's not violent. It's a peaceful protest. It gets people's opinion, and yet people still want to be like, oh, you can't protest that way. 
Well, which way? Say protest. Which way is it okay to protest and say, we don't agree with getting shot disproportionately when we get pulled over because police are scared because we're dark-skinned people? So I just feel like what they're really saying is, be quiet, sit down, you're not allowed to have a voice. I really think that's what they're trying to say more than, we don't like this protest. It's disrespectful of the flag. I think the flag is a muse. It's just something that they're using, and they're just saying, so they're saying, oh, you're disrespecting the flag, and that, that's all a ruse. You know, really what it is, they're trying to say, you don't have the right to show your dissent, and we want you to stop talking. And I'm, so I'm with I'm with Nike, and I think that uh, I'm 100% standing beside um, everybody that supports uh, minorities not getting shot. Exactly. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, I mean, Kaepernick, he's, he's got his own foundation. He's, ever since he's um, um, – he, he deserves to be in the NFL. He's got the talent as much as anybody. Um, he's had – so he's, but he's given uh, more free time. He's given even more time uh, to, to fighting these injustices. Um, for it's just, it's been outrageous for people to be so focused on just putting him as an enemy of the country when all he wants to do is make the country better. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, they want to say he's disrespecting the flag. He's disrespecting the nation because he's taking a knee during the national anthem and. I just don't think that's disrespectful. I think that it causes a lot of people to talk about it. So I think it accomplishes what he's trying to accomplish. But, you know, what's respectful of our nation, what's respectful of America is to be a true American, you know. And I don't know. Maybe not include Russia. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> he's got people talking. Um, even the NFL the, and the players have been working together, at least having some dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. And also, as far as um, I'd rather I'd rather people like Kaepernick kneel than uh, bend over. You know what I mean? Absolutely, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Do not be bent over. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, hundred percent, exactly. And then you know the other thing is he's been signed with Nike since. 2011. So if you wanted to get rid of your Nikes because they supported Colin Kaepernick, you should have been doing that since 2011. <laughs> he's always been fine with them. Oh, yeah. Well, not, this isn't yeah. new or different. And if you watch the commercial, the commercial was impressive. It said to not let your limitations define you. What's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that is an important nope. message. And, you know, if Colin Kaepernick bringing on bringing that message to us helps to you know uh, to bring about more um, understanding from America. I'm all for it. I really am. I agree, Chad. Very well said. I'm glad we brought the topic up this week. Now, you know, as far as that topic goes, I just want to say this: I don't care, you know. <clears throat> what political party you belong to, who you are, whatnot. You know, I have my ideals and views, and they're easy to find if you want to find them. But 
we all are Americans. And if I can support John McCain, you should be able to support our leaders on the left who are good people. And we should be able to come to reasons whenever there is somebody that is just off the wall and out there and makes no sense at all. We should be able to, as Americans, we should be able to say, this is not who we are as a nation, as a country. Exactly. All right. And that, one last thing. Whoever yeah. says stick to sports, not politics, oh, shut up, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, you don't have to <laughs> – you don't have to listen to us, but we got a platform and we're going to use it, you know. Yeah, uh, that's what it's even, all about. We're even for people that say that to athletes, you know, it's like, oh, stick to sports, play that, oh, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> no, they're Americans. I mean, if you're an American, you want to talk about American, you want to bring up, you want to, you want to express your voice and your opinions, you have every right to do so. Nobody has the right to tell you not to, um, period, point blank. And if you don't like it, you know, you can turn it off. That's that's fine. You don't have to live that to it. So anyway, so now that we got into that and got a little deeper than I think we were going to <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I just wanna say thank you to everybody. Again, one last time. Uh, I appreciate you listening. And uh hopefully we can all agree that the Hogs are undefeated and we have a shot at winning the national championship this year right now. Hey. Yeah, I mean if if you go fourteen and oh and or, you know, even let's, let's focus on 12 and 0 right now. And we're on pace for it. I mean, hey, we're 1 0. We're undefeated. And why not? Absolutely. And even if we slip up and lose Alabama, we still got a chance. Hey, that might be the right way to go. Uh, we could we could just go 11 and 1, grab the fourth seed without having to play Georgia in the SEC championship. There you go. There you go. That might <laughs> be the way to do it. <laughs> and we're going to talk about this until we've got two. And even then, at least three losses. Then we might give up this. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm right now we're undefeated, so hey, you never know. Absolutely. So, I guess the the, the only thing I really wanted to touch on that we didn't touch on was the uh, Hunter Yurkovich in his hog call. And you know, there's some folks out there that said, "Oh, a hog call has to be spontaneous." A hog call can't be manufactured. This is silly. I can't believe he's having people go out there and, and try to call the hogs at 1 o'clock on, on a Friday, blah, blah, blah. I'm a fan. I'm a supporter of the Razorbacks. He asked me to go out and call the hogs, and I did. At 1 o'clock, I called the hogs in my workplace right in front of everybody. I got down. I did a really good hog call. And uh, some people looked at me crazy, but <laughs> I also met another fan in my office who was from Arkansas, who was a hog fan, who I didn't know was a hog fan, and it brought unity oh, to wow. our workplace in enemy territory in Florida. So that's a great story. I just want to say thank you for the hog call. I want to say thank you for setting that up. And, uh, you know, I support the school 100%. I think that things like that to bring the fan base together is what we need. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you didn't hang up when we were talking about Kaepernick and say, I'm not listening to this, and maybe you don't agree with that segment, we still need to band together. 
all Hog fans need to band together to accomplish one goal, and that's building a national championship team. Maybe not this year, but over time. And it takes every fan. It takes every dollar spent on every Razorback hat, every polo shirt, every ticket bought, every single fan puts a little bit of their heart and soul into that program. And I think bringing the fans together with that hog call was an awesome thing to do. What do you think about it, Tim? Okay, I want to say first, you've been inspiring these last two segments. Uh, yes, um, we need to come together. Uh, whether you're in the Ozarks, close to the university like me, uh, you're in Florida, you're in Colorado, you live in, uh, you know there's uh, hog fans in uh, England, Germany, you know, uh, guys that are probably working uh global business in China and everything that are Hog fans. Everybody needs to come together, uh, support the program. I thought it was great by Hunter. Um, and I, I don't, I don't, I can't believe anybody had a problem with it. I know spontaneous ones are great. Ones that, uh, we prepare for like that, that the whole uh, country of Hog fans, Razorback Nation can get behind. Um, you were at your workplace. I was driving, but I was listening to, uh, one of the local sports radio shows, uh, and they were doing it. They had a live look in from it, and I called them with it. Nobody heard me. didn't matter. I was happy to join in because I felt like uh, I was part of it. Um, I know my brother who works at uh, J.B. Hunt, I know they were doing big things, and they all called the hogs. And I, to me, that just made me smile. I thought it went over even better than I would have thought, and I thought that was a great thing to do by your shift. Absolutely. So thank you for setting up the hog call. Uh, we'll, we will we will call the hogs with you anytime you want to. Probably on the Hog Call podcast. Sure. Okay, well I think that about does it. All right, that was fun. I'm I'm ready for a Colorado State game. This is fun. let's get off the two and zero. All right, so until Saturday, y'all get well, I'll be reporting live. Yes, sir. I'll be calling the hogs from Fort Collins. Hope you guys listen in live. Oh. Ooh. Big, 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 big. Arkansas Razorback. Go Hawks.